I've been a part of the church for a very long time. My dad is a pastor, um, and so I'm 41 years old, and so for my whole life, I've been part of the church, which might seem like, oh, okay, well, she's sort of a natural at this church business, but every Sunday is a moment where you have to go, okay, Lord, these people are my people. This worship is the worship that you have given to me. This is where you promise blessing. And so this is where I'm going to be. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Megan Hill. Megan serves as an editor for the Gospel Coalition. She's also a pastor's wife and an author, and her latest book is A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church with Crossway. Today, Megan and I discuss the importance of the local church for our lives as God's people. She reflects on the challenging season we've all been in due to COVID-19, explains why the local church is so essential for our spiritual growth as Christians, and offers three practical suggestions for cultivating deeper relationships with other church members. Let's get started. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the Crossway Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Matt. I think it's fair to say that oftentimes our experience of church, of the local church, can feel pretty unremarkable. And yet you kind of listed out some of the amazing things about the church, things that we see in Scripture, uh, the beauty of the church, and the eternal significance of um, the church. So how, how do you, in your own mind, reconcile those two seemingly contradictory ideas that, on the one hand, our experience can often be unremarkable, and yet we read in Scripture that the church is truly remarkable in so many ways? Yeah, I think that that's very consistent with most of the Bible's teaching, right? I mean, that the kingdom is a little mustard seed, and it grows into this giant tree, and really our experience of the kingdom is often very small and seems like something to be overlooked. And yet Jesus tells us, well, the truth about the kingdom actually is that it's huge and it's going to eventually include, he talks about the birds of the air perching in the branches. It's going to include people from all nations. And so I think throughout scripture, we've seen this, you know, Abraham, who was Abraham? Well, he was like one man that God called from his pagan family to come and to be his people, essentially, you know, and he promised him the stars of the sky as his family and the sand of the seashore as his family. Um, and, and yet he was just sort of one man. And so I think it's very consistent with all of scripture that ordinary, small, seeming insignificant things actually have more value than we might expect. And so we can kind of, um, we can kind of remember that that's the way that God always works, that he's always worked that way. And so we can take comfort that when our experience of the local church seems ordinary, seems sort of ho-hum, seems not very remarkable, that it's, it's not unusual, it's not unexpected, it's not even something that God didn't anticipate, it's just the way he usually works. And that we have to go to the scriptures to find out the real truth and to understand what's actually going on when we can't see it with our own eyes. Mm. Yeah, I, I've often wondered, you know, what are some of the reasons why we do sometimes tend to feel 
you know, I don't know, underwhelmed is maybe the right word for for it. And then, you know, do you think there's any cultural facet there where we're just used to as a, as Americans or people living in the West more generally even there's so much spectacle around us. There's so much um, big productions of things, and we kind of we expect to be entertained maybe a little bit more than we actually should. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think that we have the luxury of seeing very sort of polished and showy things. Uh, we also really like to quantify things, so we like you know numbers and you know oh growth or you know whatever. And the church really doesn't offer us, even if you have a very big church that's well-established, that has a good program or whatever, it still is not going to be able to compete with Hollywood or with whatever the latest um, business models are, because the thing that we're about is really not about production or growth business models. Hmm. So maybe a related question a little bit. With all the um, good Christian content out there in the world today. There's so many books. Uh, you've written yeah. books, and there's so many ministries that that give a lot of good teaching, and there's podcasts and sermons online. Um, with all of that in place, uh, and there's a lot of avenues for Christians to grow in their understanding of the Bible and understanding of theology and, and what have you, how would you summarize then why the local church is so important for every Christian? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think, first of all, it's because the Bible tells us that it is. You know, as we look through the scriptures, we never see any lone Christians. You know, there's no one in scripture that's just kind of doing the Christian life on their own. God is always adding them to his people and bringing them together and gathering them. And so gathering his people is just the way that God operates. Um, so I'd say first, you know, it's because the Bible tells us that the church is important. In the book of Acts, you know, people were converted, immediately they became part of the church. That was just sort of a given. Another thing that we see is that the church itself just provides us, reminds us, teaches us, includes us in something that we can't get in a podcast or a book, even though you and I are both obviously big fans of podcasts and books. Um, you know, in the church, just to give one example, the church is referred to as a body, right? And we have all these different parts. If we look at 1 Corinthians, it talks about, you know, the hand and the eye and the head and the foot. And this is the way of talking about how in our congregation, each person has different gifts and they have different graces. But then when they come together, then they're the body and they're actually the body of Christ. And so we would have no way of knowing and experiencing of benefiting from and contributing to the body, um, these different gifts working together on our own with a book. And so again and again in scripture, we have these, um, these pictures of how the church is better than just each individual part. When it comes together, it, it becomes something else, something more important and more beautiful that we can't get on our own. Mm. So then how would you respond to maybe the, the person listening right now who, who is a Christian and who, who isn't, maybe they would say, I'm not looking to be a Lone Ranger Christian. I don't think that I can live my life without any friends. I have a lot of Christian friends that I spend a lot of time with, and they encourage me in my faith, and they point me to, to the gospel 
why do I need a kind of more formal, institutional type of church uh, context to be so plugged into? Yeah, and I think that's interesting too because I think particularly in a social media age, we have lots of options for people to be friends with. And, and you know, sometimes it's sort of self-selecting. It's people that I agree with or that I share an interest with. And sometimes people are actually very intentional about having people who di disagree with them or people who are different than them because they want this experience of having different perspectives. And I think that's great. Um, and I, I think that those kind of other communities, whether it's in your own town or your own life or whether it's online, on social media, I think those can be beneficial, but again, they're not the church and um, they're not the people that God has chosen for you. And there is something about the local church walking into that congregation and going, okay, these, these are the people that you have given me. You know, I sometimes use the analogy of a church potluck. I don't know now that we have COVID-19, I'm so <laughs> sad about the loss of church potluck. Yeah, those were the first <laughs> to get cut, I think. I know, and hopefully we'll be back to them one of these days. But, you know, in a, in a potluck, right, everybody just kind of brings something. And I don't know about your church, but at my church, like, sometimes it's all meat and no vegetables. And sometimes you come and it's all desserts and nobody brought a salad, you know. And you just kind of go, okay, Lord, this is what you've given us to eat and this is what we're going to enjoy. And you never leave hungry. And it may not have been what you would pick for yourself, but just the experience of just everybody bringing something and enjoying it is a way for us to experience the blessing of the Lord. Mm. So you, you, uh, your book is called A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church, uh, which that subtitle would seem to imply that uh, coming to love the local church can be a process or maybe always is a process. Is that, is that what you were getting at with that subtitle? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I've been a part of the church for a very long time. My pa my dad is a pastor, um, and so I'm 41 years old. And so for my whole life, I've been part of the church, which might seem like, oh, okay, well, she's sort of a natural at this church business. But it, every Sunday is a moment where you have to go, okay, Lord, these people are my people this worship is the worship that you have given to me. This is where you promise blessing. And so this is where I'm going to be. And um, I sometimes say that I'm glad that the Lord made me a pastor's wife because I have to be there, you know? And that's just kind of the Lord's kindness to me. Like th there's no choice, you know, you married a pastor, so I'm gonna put you here so that you have to show up. And I have seen that being his, his kindness to me in requiring that of me. Um, and then allowing me then by just showing up to learn one Sunday after another to love this thing that he's given me because he says it's good for me. Mm. So you wouldn't say that loving the local church then necessarily means that you love everything about your church or you, you totally resonate with every way that the church does. Because that seems to be one of the main reasons people leave churches or shop around for churches. They're kind of looking for that, that perfect mix that resonates in every way with them but would you say that's kind of a misguided way to view the church yeah i think so much of belonging to the church is just submitting to the lord's gift to you and just saying these are the people you've given me this is what this church has to offer these are the gifts that we have this is the music that we sing 
you know, and of course you want to have a church that's biblical. And so if you're in a church where things are clearly contrary to scripture or the leadership is acting in a way that's clearly unbiblical, then you need to think about where else you need to be. But if, if people are seeking to live according to scripture and they're worshiping together in a biblical way and they're loving one another biblically, then sometimes you do, a lot of the time, you just sort of submit to it. I can remember a time when I was in college and I went to a, I went to Scotland and um, I spent a semester there. And in that church in Scotland, they would stand up to pray. And I just thought that was so cool. And so then I came back to my own church, um, the, the church that I was part of in college, and I thought, why do they not stand up to pray? You know, that is so much better for us all to be on our feet and all to be, you know, praying together. And so I decided, that's it. I'm just going to stand up to pray. And, um, and so whenever we would pray, everybody else would sit down and I was just going to stand up to pray because <laughs> I just thought that was the best thing to do. And uh, the elders of the church were very gracious with me and they talked to me about it. And I said, I think we need to stand up to pray. And, um, and they were like, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And um, they're like, if you want to do that, fine. You know, and I think they just prayed for me. And eventually I just realized this is ridiculous. I just need to, to, to do what God's people are doing. And what, what I think is not really the most important thing here. So. so what advice then or encouragement maybe would you offer to the person listening who, who feels like they're still in the middle of their journey towards loving the local church? Who, for whatever reason, um, they're just not, they're not quite there. They don't feel it, that, that desire to be a part of a church, maybe their own church right now, as much as they know that they should or want to. What, what would you say to that person? I think one of the most striking things that I sort of grew to understand as I was working on this book and also just meditating on my own experiences in the church is that the church is really the place that we find Christ. And I think that can be so helpful to us when our individual experiences of the church are either unremarkable or not ideal to recognize that there's something greater at stake here. And that's finding Christ himself. You know, and we think of even that familiar passage where Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And which one of us doesn't want to know Christ, doesn't want to experience his presence, doesn't want to see him more. And he, here he's given us just a very simple pro- promise that when we get together with his people, he's going to be there. And that, I think, can motivate us on that Saturday night or Sunday morning or Wednesday afternoon or whenever it is where we're thinking, is this really worth it to set our eyes even sort of higher than our own church and to Christ and go, okay, Lord, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the significance of, say, our Sunday morning kind of corporate worship time? It seems like it's it's sort of in vogue right now to... to say, yes, Sunday mornings are important, corporate worship's important, but let's not forget about being the church the rest of the week and, and you know, kind of finding ways to be the church throughout the whole week. So I guess, what are your, what's your take on that? How do you balance uh, the priorities of corporate worship once a week and other expressions of the church throughout the rest of the week? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's sort of both and. Um, but I think that the church at its essence is God's worshiping people. And so we can't ever get rid of that in favor of 
fellowship or mercy ministry or outreach or whatever the other really important vital things are that we do, we are a worshiping people. And there is a very real sense in which the other things that we do are all to the end of worshiping. So we have fellowship with one another, we encourage one another, we help one another to fight sin and to seek righteousness and we provide for one another so that we are better fit to come and worship. And we, we show mercy to people in our community and we extend gospel invitation to them and we show love to them and concern for them so that they might want to come and be worshiping people too. So I think it's really important that worship, even though it might only be an hour a week, we see that as the main thing. And then we see these other things as contributing to that main thing so that our worship might be better, so that we might be more holy and worship rightly, so that more people might want to come and join us in worshiping God. Hmm. So why is the concept of belonging so important to how you view the local church? I think that... The idea of belonging is something that we see through all of redemptive history, um, that God's people have belonged together in his presence. So even if we go back to Adam and Eve, right? We had Adam and we had Eve and God made them for each other. He put them together in this place, in his presence to worship him. And sometimes we think about those verses as being about marriage and I think they have implications for marriage. But I think fundamentally it's about the church, about God's people, and that he put us together as his people in his presence, in his place, as it were, and he's blessed us there. And I think all of us really are sort of searching for that kind of belonging in our lives. And Jesus even tells us that we're going to have to give up some kinds of belonging in order to follow him, right? We have, might have to leave father, mother, houses, or lands for his sake and the gospel. So he tells us, I know you have these places where you think you belong with your biological, natural family in your home or the country that you were born in. You think you belong there, but to follow me, you may have to give that up. But then he says, but you will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. And so he's going to give us a different kind of belonging, a different place to belong, which is among his people and in the place where he has called us to live and worship. And so I think that's really what the call of Christ places on us is giving up certain allegiances that we have um, apart from him and then joining our allegiances to belong to his people and the people that he's calling to himself. Hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that you highlight in the book is just that, that idea of family, which is a very, very present theme or way of talking about the church that we see throughout the New Testament. You know, many of, many of the New Testament writers refer to other Christians as brothers and sisters, and I think it's easy for us to kind of gloss over that, especially if we've been in the church for a long time and maybe not think much about that or even use that language, uh, but it, it actually carries a lot of weight to it. So I guess I wonder on that topic of family and the, the broader idea of belonging, it, is it right for us to pursue relationships in the church that, that are, um, I guess, should the church become that central place that we belong above, uh, beyond and above our other relationships in life, whether that is our family or, 
you know, our close friends or coworkers, is it right for us to try to work towards the church being kind of that most foundational community that we're a part of? Yes, I think yes. Um, but I don't think that that um, removes our obligations to our parents, whether or not they're believers, or to coworkers, whether or not they're believers, or you know, to people in our lives that we have these actual relationships with. We still have obligations to them. You know, the Pharisees wanted to uh, take the money that they would have given to their parents to support them and give it to the Lord, and they felt like that was more holy if they had done that. And Jesus says, no, that's not more holy. So I think Jesus still acknowledges that even the relationships that we have with parents or children are still important obligations that we have. But it is true that our life is hidden in Christ. And so that the most important things that are true about me or the most important things that are true about you is that you belong to Christ. And so you're going to have the most in common with other people who also belong to Christ and have their life in him. And so that connects us to the people of God in a way that we will never be connected to people who don't belong to Christ. Mm, yeah. So then what what advice, practical tips even, do you have related to maybe moving in that direction towards uh, viewing the people in our churches as family, as brothers and sisters, and kind of having that that level of intimacy? I think sometimes we might feel like uh, our experience of church is I go on Sunday morning, I, you know, I sit down for the sermon, I listen to it, the service, we sing, and then you kind of just leave, and I don't really see the people the rest of the week, and I don't feel that bond that, that we're talking about actually existing. So you know, do you have any practical advice for, for kind of moving forward in closer relationship with other people at, at a church? Sometimes I say that I think there are three things that we should say more often in the church. Um, I think we should say, I love you way more often than we do. Um, just those simple affirmations of affection for people and um, because we do love them, because Christ loves them. And so even if our own feelings are not quite there yet, we know that these are the people that Christ loves. So I think we should say, I love you. I think we should say, thank you. Um, just recognizing people using their gifts and using their graces for the glory of Christ. And I think we should give gratitude for that. And I think we should say, I'm sorry, more often, just for the various hundreds of ways that we sin against people and are thoughtless and unkind and whatever. And I really think that if in our churches that we more often said, I love you, thank you, and I'm sorry, that that would go a long way toward building sort of healthy family relationships in the congregation. Mm. Yeah, it's so simple. And yet, uh, so profound and hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it requires you to go first. You know, you have to be the first one to say those things, and then that will be helpful to everyone. So we've talked a lot about why the church is so important and the value of the local church and, and why it should really uh, be a big priority in all Christians' lives. I, I wonder, though, is it possible for... Uh, someone's view of the local church to be skewed in the other direction of it kind of being too significant or too important or uh, almost like a too much of a priority. But I wonder how you would answer that, what language you would use to describe that and what might that look like? 
I think that is, uh, I think there is a potential for that. You know, I once heard somebody say that our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. And I think that's helpful because I think it is true that we do each have a personal call to have a relationship with Christ and that our own prayer and Bible reading and commitment to kill sin and to live in holiness and to share a word of Christ with others in our lives, that that that's a personal thing. And it's not simply mediated through the church. I can't, you know, borrow other people's faith as my own. I, I need to put my own trust in Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. But so our, our relationship with Christ is personal, but it's also not private. And so the church is there so that I could grow in those things, so that I could love Christ better, so that I could see my own sin more clearly, so that I could have help to put it to death. And so I think there are, we need both things that we can't be consider membership in the church as a substitute for a personal relationship with Christ, but we also can't consider a personal relationship with Christ as a substitute for the corporate communal worship of God in his church. Mm. Yeah, I'm struck by you saying that our faith is personal but not private because it does feel like there's a certain cultural attitude, especially when it comes to religious belief and convictions, that actually says the opposite. It kind of says our faith convictions and, and how, what we believe and how we choose to live is, is very much a private kind of issue that no one else has any right to speak into. But it sounds like you're saying for the Christian, based on what Scripture says, that's really not the case. We can't, we can't say my faith is my own and my private thing, and you can't speak into it. We're actually supposed to be uh, inviting that kind of feedback. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the church, you know, it's tricky to know how to talk about your faith in your workplace or among non-Christians, but of all places, the church should be the place where we can talk openly about faith, about the sins that we're struggling with, about the doubts that we have, about the concerns, the things we don't understand, um, and to encourage one another in that. And honestly, I think the thing that we'll find is that our own struggles are not as unique as we might think that they are, and that chances are that there are multiple other people who have had some variation of the same struggle and have seen the Lord's faithfulness and so can help us with that. Mm. So then maybe as a last question, I just wonder, what are you praying for uh, with regard to your church right now, especially in, in this crazy time that we're, we're living through? I think I'm praying that this sort of season of absence will make our hearts grow fonder and that we will learn to love one another more and just this sharpened desire to be together and to hear one another's voices singing. Oh, I miss the singing so much. Um, hear one another's voices singing and to receive the Lord's Supper together and just to have those conversations I mentioned at the beginning, just the casual, we're here, so let's talk kind of conversations um, that, that our appetites would be sharpened for those things. And then I would think, I think also, I think there are some good things that we've learned in this time that I hope that we don't stop doing. You know, for example, I think we've all been super intentional about reaching out to people who are single, people who are widows, people who have kids with special needs or who are immunocompromised. And 
I think that's great that we're doing that in this time. And I think it would be great if we continued to do those things too. And as our own lives get busier, we don't forget the people who are single or widowed or alone or um, hurting in some way. And that those patterns that we've learned in this time would continue over into our fellowship in the future. Mm, yeah, that's so good. Well, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And yeah, encourage all of us, I think, to uh, really have a heart check with how we think about the church and just remember that the church is this beautiful gift that God has given to us for our good. And um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. That was Megan Hill on the importance of the local church for all Christians. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you leave us a review? That helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.